Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Welcome to the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Our guests this week are Andre and Jen from the University of South Carolina Theater and Dance Department. So great to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So uh, you're new this semester. Um, tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you find yourself here in Columbia teaching uh, at the university. So we were previously at the University of Wyoming and um, teaching dance there. And we got these really great job offers at the University of South Carolina in the dance program, and we're excited to join the faculty. I teach primarily ballet. Um, I come from a background of ballet and contemporary dance. And then um, I also do a lot with dance kinesiology and dance science. And I'll let Andre tell a little bit about himself. So now, just as a more personal note, before getting into the business nitty-gritty, uh, Jen and I are married, and we had a long-distance marriage for four years, and so we were lucky enough that the University of South Carolina um, had, two, had a place. Two openings. Yeah. It supported both. Yes, uh, and I'm a modern dancer. Um, I teach Limon technique and Graham technique and um, also involved in dance kinesiology, particularly um, how do you transform the human body into a creative vehicle of dynamic expression? And so our skill sets pair really well, uh, and so here we are. Uh, so prior to being here, um, you, you were in separate universities. Um, have you ever been at the same place at the same time during this uh, relationship? Well, when we, when we first met, uh, we started as long distance, and then... You know, right when we got serious, I got a job offer in Prague in the Czech Republic. And, uh, you know, so I went and I said, Jen, I've got this opportunity. And she said, yeah, you've got to take it. And and my thought was, well, why are you trying to get rid of me so quickly? And so, right out the door. <laughs> right. You know, like, wow, well, you just got started. So, you know, then we did long distance for a year, you know, from Prague to Wyoming. That's and a very long distance. It's a very long distance. How and many time zones is that? Uh, well, it was eight hours. Eight hours. Eight right. time so, zones. Yeah. Yes, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So, so then she got a sabbatical, and she was able to join me out there for the second year. You know, and uh, then, of course, you know, it's Prague. We got engaged. <laughs> right. You know, came back to the States, uh, and I came back to the States, got a job in Cincinnati, Ohio, and then we were long distance at that point. Then one year together in Wyoming, mm-hmm. and voila, South well, Carolina. W- welcome to South Carolina. Thanks. We're excited to be here. Yeah. So tell us about the dance program. So it is, it's, the, um, it's the Department of Theater and Dance, um, but it seems to the sort of casual observer that there's a theater department and a dance department. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, it seems... Do you all operate fairly independently of each other, from what you can tell? So, yeah, we're still learning a lot about the program, about the department, and um, I think there's a lot of opportunity to find some crossover between what theater and dance is and who we are as as artists and performers. Um, I think that there's a lot that is done separately, um, but I think there's also a lot of opportunity for collaboration between theater and dance and the theater and dance faculty, but also the theater and dance students. 
So um, we're looking forward to that and um, seeing how this department grows and um, develops over the next few years. And and now I know we're going to talk about this later, but you know we did meet at new faculty orientation, uh, our new theater faculty in acting for the camera and uh, Dustin Whitehead. And so we just immediately got involved. And I know we're going to talk about much ado later, but okay, we'll but, but, talk about that later. But the, but there's a prime example of the theater and dance collaboration, right? And we're even upping the stakes next semester it's going to be a combined concert so it's a it's going to be a multimedia theater and dance work with dance faculty and dustin doing uh, film with the with the actors that's correct so like a a true department collaboration Yes. yes yeah yeah that's fantastic that I feel like that's the spirit of of the university uh, yeah. in a nutshell. It should be yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, this is it's a lot of work in any uh, discipline to not have fun and play with others. <laughs> um, so uh, you not only teach, but you are involved in the performance, like the actual public performances that are involved. So. Uh, the fall dance concert is November 1st and 2nd at the Coger Center for the Arts. And each of you have choreographed a piece in this concert. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, yeah. that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to say one of you teaches ballet and one of you teaches modern. How does that work? <laughs> so we have a pretty diverse concert, which is actually really exciting because it represents not only our skill sets, but also the skill sets of our students. Um, so actually, the, the first piece in the concert is going to be Liesl Feeds, which I um, reconstructed. So um, it's a piece that was, ori- that was originally choreographed by M- Michael Folkeen um, back in 1909 um, with the Ballet Russe. And it's a, it's a very classical work, but it still has a lot of breath and excitement and um, something to offer the students to, to challenge them and also to give the audience... Um, a thing of beauty and a, and a thing of nature to rest their eyes on. So that's a pretty exciting project. So when you say rework, what does that mean? So, um, so like I said, it was originally choreographed by Folkeen. And so what we have are um, videos from more recent productions of Les Feeds. We have a lot of writing from Folkeen. We have um, some reviews that have been written throughout the years of it being reconstructed. So every piece that's been reconstructed throughout um, the past uh, century and 10 years <laughs> um, has been kind of recorded. And so my job as, a, as someone who's reconstructing that piece is to um, reference all of these materials and take what works for our student population and um, for our audience and put it together in a way that is both honoring the history of it but also honoring where we are currently in our in our field of dance and and challenging the um, the norm of what classical ballet is and so there'll be some of the original choreography but then a lot of your own uh, so layered on of, top yes, or is yeah so most of it is um, what we would say is the original choreography however we don't really know actually know what we the don't original actually know what the original steps are um, most of what I've been referencing is um, American Ballet Theater's version of Lacel Feeds and um, Folkeen actually worked with 
um, ABT to reconstruct it. So that's, in my mind, that's one of the closest to what the original choreography was because he was working with that company and then that company has um, kept it in their repertory. So that's the open. Did you say it's the opening piece for it the is, concert? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we kick off with ballet. Kick off with ballet. Um, how many numbers are in the concert total? There's four total. Um, the second piece that's that's being presented is a contemporary ballet piece. So we then start to shift, um, and it's a piece that was choreographed by Addison Ector, who is a um, former dancer with complexions. And I think Complexions came here to the university a couple years ago. Yes, we we they hosted did. them at the mm-hmm. Coker Center. Yeah, and for so. For a really um, uh, inspiring concert. Yeah, beautiful, a, a beautiful. Performance, work. concert, performance, or whatever you want to yeah. call it. Uh, yes, they're a beautiful company. Yeah, so um, so he came and, and choreographed the, uh, an original work on the dancers. So that'll be second in the, in the lineup. And then um, I'll let Andre talk about the other two. Okay, so we have um, the third piece on the concert uh, will be Olivia Waltrop, and she is uh, one of our faculty, and she has a strong ballet background, but she approaches her work from, I would say, a far more contemporary place. And so she she is pulling from... Now, she's also um, a, a graduate of the USC dance program. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and, she, uh, and now faculty member. And now, now faculty, faculty member. member. So she went and, and danced in different places and then went to graduate school and ended up here. Right, at, right back here where it all started. Right. Yeah. So she has a really great perspective of who the students are and where they're coming from, having been one of them. Uh, and, and so she's crafted a beautiful piece uh, with, I would, I would say... When you watch it, you feel that all the pieces are falling together exactly where you wanted them to, but you didn't know that's where they were going to go. <laughs> that that is fantastic. It's sort of a, it just takes you where you need to be. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and it's it's so it's such it's it's great, you know, to the constant sense of surprise, and and yet fulfillment. Is, is not often found. And so you can find it here at the Coger Center, November 1st and 2nd. <laughs> Fantastic. And then last but d- definitely not least, uh, we have a fourth piece. Yes. Uh, so it's called Warm Hearts and Hot Feet. And this, uh, it's a, um, a suite of five songs. Oh, yes, I choreographed it. Uh, and um, I was, so I spent the first half of my career uh, working in the Gram technique and the Gram tradition and then uh, ended up working, to completely switching tracks and working within the, uh, the Limon technique and the, the Limon company. And so these are these two wildly different um, but foundational American modern dance techniques. Um, and, but, you know, on top of that, I've always had this, what is it, fascination with Gene Kelly and Bob Fosse. <laughs> and, you know, I just... One day, I, I, you know, I was listening to Sing, Sing, Sing uh, by Benny Goodman, which yes. I just think in some ways might just be the, the most fun, cleverest bit of music ever written. Um, and I just, I just had this image, like, what if Martha Graham, Jose Lamone, Bob Fosse, Gene Kelly, Marlene Dietrich, they were all hanging out in a bar together, and they were listening to great music, and and teasing each other with 
how the other danced. <laughs> so they, you know, they're teasing each other. This is what I see you doing. Oh yeah, well this is what I see you doing. And and you know, having fun with that and um, and really really sharing. I think sharing and appreciating what each of them brought to this, you know, really distinct American dance heritage. And while they're all different, you know, they're really different techniques, they're really different styles, but at the core of it, there is a, a sense of discovery and a wild passion for the human spirit. And so I devised this suite that starts with Stand By Me, and ends with sing, sing, sing. And I won't tell you what's in the middle. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just a trajectory of, um, of an exuberance for movement and a glorious sense of the ridiculous. So a celebration of five styles. Yes. Or like five, so to speak. Yeah. So to speak, yeah. And I think how they, how they you know, obviously translate through me uh, and... I, I feel like I got to touch some of that in a really wonderful way throughout my career. Um, and some of it I just haven't touched at all, but just watched and admired. Uh, and I wanted to feel it. I wanted to feel what it was like to be them. So uh, I'm going to latch on to what you said about how you uh, have studied and, I guess, performed with these two major techniques. So w tell me your background. We talked about how you got here to the university as professors, um, but my guess is maybe you, prior to that, had some professional dance experience? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a few things happened. Uh, so, so, so tell us about your journey, um, because uh, it, it's really great when a university has... Um, people who are professionals in the field who you know can share um, not only the education but you know the firsthand experience of what it's like uh, you know you have a different perspective when you come through you know an actual um, you know doing what some of these students I, I suppose hope to be doing themselves one day um, so I just love, I think it's inspiring to hear people's stories their journeys you know how what what Ultimately, what road, what your road was that got you here to the university? Well, it was a, it was a strange road. Uh, <laughs> I went to military school for high school. And um, it was, a, you know, 200 boys just locked in a valley in Virginia in the middle of nowhere, uh, marching around. And that town happened to have, um, there was a family that I was, became close with. And during my senior year, the mom said, asked me if I wanted to take a modern dance class at the YMCA, which I knew would be social suicide. But for her, I said, okay, I'll go do that with you. And, well, you know, uh, that was the beginning of what became the rest of my life. Um, so I, I um, after college, um, which was at Butler University. Uh, did you study dance or what it, did you well, study in college? I, I was, actually, I have to say, you know, I had such a crush on that first dance teacher in high school uh, that I didn't understand my motivations until I went to college to be a sociology major. And then you learned what your motivations really were. Right. I was like, oh, this 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 is really what you know. So there was a lightning bolt moment where, you know, two months into that first semester, I just knew that I was a dancer. And so I ran to the admin building 
dropped the sec my sociology major and took up the dance major, and then had to explain that to my parents. Uh, <laughs> so that was a bit of a shock to them too. Um, so so then when I finally graduated, um, I did um, I danced with some companies in New York and then throughout the U.S. And um, it wasn't. I went to graduate school when I was uh, 37. So I, d I danced up until that point and when I felt that, you know, I knew I was gonna be a professor one day. That was, that was sort of this, um, this desire and this hope, but I felt like there was so much I wanted to do first. And so I danced as long as I could. Uh, and when the time came, I just, the, um, the last tour with the Lamone Company um, was to the town where my mom passed away, uh, and by strange circumstances and whatnot, she had never seen me dance. Uh, so it was a very powerful moment for me uh, at 36 to feel that connect. So um, w after that happened, I said, all right, now I'm done, and I'm going to grad school, and then I got into higher education after that. So it's a great journey um, that it seems like you sort of knew this is where you needed to be all along. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I had a lot to learn before I got here. <laughs> and Jen, uh, what's your story? My, my story is not quite as exciting, maybe. Um, <laughs> so I started dancing when I was four. Uh, my mom had put me into dance classes kind of the same way she put me into soccer, you know, like, oh, this is going to last a couple weeks and... Um, and she'll decide she doesn't want to do this anymore. And um, she took me around the corner, like literally around the corner to a little ballet studio. Um, I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, it turned out that this was one of the best ballet studios in the region. And, um, and just by the happenstance of by pro proximity, yes. you, proximity, you, you, I just stumbled you into it. There yeah. I was. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I fell in love with it as, as a young girl. Um, I fell in love with ballet, mostly because I was a rule follower. <laughs> There's a lot of rules in ballet. Um, and so I, I liked that discipline that came along with it. I liked that you had to do it a certain way. Um, and uh, so I fell in love with the discipline of it, I think, before I fell in love with the artistry of it. And, um, and then the artistry came. Um, although I do remember being four and, like, dancing around the living room to a, a cassette tape of swan lake just playing on repeat you know um so that was that was me growing up and i um i decided when i was i was 15 and i was at a summer program with mel tomlinson um famous ballet dancer um and he gave me a solo and uh it changed my life i decided this is what i'm going to do for the rest of my life um i went to school at university of utah and um i did my undergraduate there and then um, right before I was going to graduate with my undergraduate, I sprained my ankle. I just destroyed it, like, <laughs> um, and I came down on it from a jump, and um, and so I couldn't really audition because uh, all the auditions are in the spring for ballet companies, and so I um, was kind of at a stuck place. And my advisor said, "Well, you know, you need to just stick around and go to grad school." And um, it was it was kind of on my back burner of something I would do later, um, as Andre was saying. But uh, I ended up staying and doing my graduate work at University of Utah as well, knowing long term, as Andre said, that that's where I wanted to be was I wanted to be teaching in higher education. 
so a- MFA, what uh-huh. do you, yeah? Yeah, so um, MFA, uh, that's the terminal degree for dance. Um, you, there are PhDs as well now, but um, there's, it's seen as a terminal degree. And, and do you get that in performance, or h- how does that work? So um, typically it's in choreography, um, okay. but you can also, so like my MFA was in choreography, in pedagogy, and in research, because I ended up pursuing the dance science component of my degree. Um, after my sprained ankle, I decided to sort of start um, investigating what that part of our profession was and stumbled into dance science and dance medicine, which has um, been a really guiding force in my career. Um, so after my graduate work, I ended up moving out to the East Coast and performing for a while. Um, so the graduate school wasn't sort of the nail the in your end. professional no, coffin. No, uh-uh, no, not at all. So that was a really um, exciting thing because then I could go off um, perform and um, pursue that part of my life. Um, and then I got a call from University of Wyoming and offering me this great position. And um, it might have been a little sooner than I would have anticipated in my career. But as I said, I knew I wanted to be teaching in higher education. And so um, that door opened and I and you walked wanna, through it. Yeah, I didn't want to let it close because yeah. you never know how long it's going to be until that it reopens somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so the students here at the University of South Carolina, I, and I ask this um, because I'm curious, and I and imagine people who come to see the dance concerts uh, are will be very impressed with the quality of the dancers on the stage. Um, is the goal of uh, the program to put dancers in a position to go to graduate school? Is it to put them in a position to become professionals? Is it, you know, from a point of view of, of the program and the students in it, uh, you know, when, upon graduation, are they going to go teach, you know, uh, at a high school? Are they going to go teach at a dance school? Are they going to be, try to be professionals? Like, what, what, what's the sort of training gearing them for? Like, what's the goal? So I should say we have two, two emphasis in mm-hmm. our dance program. One is dance education. Um, and so if they are pursuing a dance education um, degree, then their goal ultimately is to go into K through 12 education. The other degree track is in performance and choreography. Um, and so I think with that track, our goal is to support them in whatever career path they choose. So that can be everything from going and teaching in studios, opening their own dance studio, um, going on to graduate school, going on to performing professionally absolutely is an, it's a great option for a lot of them. And choreography is a component of and that. So choreography is a part of that as some well. Some of the students mm-hmm. are going to hopefully, um, their goal might be to, to do uh, what you're doing, which exactly. is to choreograph uh, a show. Yeah. Yeah, so th- they have, I'm, I'm daily, I am blown away by the amazing students we have and their abilities and not just their ability to um, perform the steps, but their ability to um, do well academically and, um, and think critically and, um, you know, they all have amazing goals and we have a lot who are now interested in dance science. Um, we have a senior who's applying for medical schools. So it, it stretches the gamut as far as where they're going to go next. And that's part of what's really exciting as their faculty members is to sort of support them and see where they go after this. How, how many students roughly are in the program? We Do have you have about a... 70 majors. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask the other uh, question that uh, springs to mind to somebody from outside is... Um, it, it, the, what's the gender makeup of that? 
it seems to me that the past dance concerts uh, um, are skewed more female on yes. the, on the stage, <laughs> which leads me to believe that there's probably more female dance majors. Yes. Um, is that true? That is indeed true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you look at our backgrounds, Jen started when she was four, uh, and, and when I you was were... in military school. <laughs> I was I was eighteen. Yeah. Oh wow. That was <laughs> my senior year. Um, so you know, I think, I think, I, you know, it's so interesting because you know, I mean, America has a great modern dance lineage uh, and jazz lineage and dance lineage. So much happened here. Um, But it's not something that men generally fall into or young boys are encouraged in that direction where it's very common for women or young girls to say, you know, I want to be a ballerina. Um, But you don't hear that so much of, of the other. So... We come to it usually later for for guys and and it, so they, it, sometimes it has to be brought to them, so they have that exposure, so we have to go we have to go find where these men are going to come from mm-hmm. um, and for ballet it 's sort of key that you have at least some men dancing with women because the, uh, many of these traditional ballets are geared with uh, certain male roles. Um, so if you're going to do the ballet, it's a requirement. But for I would maybe I'm being naive, but for modern dance, you could have a whole company of one gender, and it doesn't really matter so much. Or or there are some traditional roles of like male female dance that you n- sort of is necessary in order to give them the exposure you would want. Well, that's a great question. That is a great question. You know there is, you know, um, early on in our we're talking 1915. Um, a company of all male dancers, so that that is part of the modern dance lineage. Uh, but Mar- when Martha Graham started, it was all uh, all female company, and then she incorporated men. But you know something that all these modern dance pioneers were really seeking to do was to 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 encapsulate the entirety of the human condition through movement, and you can't do that with one yeah, gender just one gender mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> so so we need we need all of us to tell this story mm-hmm. um so the concert uh is coming up november 1st and 2nd uh, uh on friday it's at 7 30 p.m on saturday it's at 2 p.m um the performances are at the coger center for the arts right here on campus um uh, there are four pieces. Uh, there's intermission. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. how, roughly how long does it last? About 90 minutes? Um, two hours? I think about 90 minutes altogether with intermission. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have to be sort of like a, you know, big lover of dance? Do you need to know something to, to come? Or Absolutely is it no. open to everyone? No. This is, this, I, I can easily and happily say this has something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think that everything that is on there while maybe not necessarily, um, I think everyone's going to find something in each piece that speaks to them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, this I is really so. exciting. It's I mean, come see this. This is going to be. <laughs> this is going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's a great, a great show. concert, and it, it displays all of the different forms of movement. And I think, as Andre said, it's it's got something for everyone, and everyone will connect to at least one of the pieces, if not several. So. Um, 
we sort of started this by saying it is a, it's the Department of Theater and Dance, and w- there's some collaboration going on. So I was going to switch gears a little bit um, because Andre and I are currently working together on the upcoming performance of Much Ado About Nothing in Longstreet Theater. Um, so you, you touched on it earlier, but uh, tell us again, how did you find yourself, new faculty member, not only choreographing a piece in the fall dance concert, but how did you find yourself chore- being the choreographer to the Shakespeare play? Well, that's a great question. And I have to say that was a happy accident. Um, when, when Jen and I took the new faculty orientation, uh, the new faculty in theater, he was there too. So when I say new faculty, it's faculty from all over the university, and we're all brought together, and there's seminars and talks. And so somehow we naturally found each other. We had never met before, but we ran into Dustin, and you know, he said theater, film, acting, and we were like, hey, we should be friends. <laughs> and uh, so we, we all bonded that day you know we hung we hung tight as as one might in these new situations right here you are in columbia south carolina new not knowing anybody and meet a kindred spirit and so there we are and um so i think at that point dustin had just accepted the responsibility and of taking on this show much ado so he was just coming at the idea fresh i I think it got sort of foisted upon him uh, suddenly without warning um, and he uh, or uh, and he stepped up like a hero right I think somebody (laughs) said how would you feel about directing this show and he uh, sprang right into action he did he did so and and glorious action it has been so everyone you should come see it Um, but he you know so then here he was uh, looking at this show and I think as he was wrapping his head around it he realized that there were um, great moments for choreography and Dustin himself is um, well we just watched one of his dance videos he he is a mover he's a dancer actually and uh, even though he you know I think he found theater but he might later have found his first love which might be dance so maybe and I'm putting words in his mouth, but I don't think he'd correct me here. It seems to me that this is a throwback to something you said earlier uh, about the fact that you, you know your wife came to dance as a four-year-old and you came to dance as an 18-year-old um, and maybe in a different world where you know, children of both genders started dance in you know, elementary school years, maybe Dustin would have found dance. I but think... But as, a, but as a guy, it's you don't you don't tend to find it until much later. Yes, and it's a tragic story, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to find your love so late. Um, uh, so so he has a cel- he he celebrates movement and uh, and felt like we could help tell the story, not just with the text, but through the bodies on stage. Through the bodies on stage, and I think you know it's it's really great watching his his sense he had to explain this word to me magical realism <laughs> and i said well that sounds marvelous but what does it mean and and he you know uh explained uh, that it was these moments where the world stops and something you know strange ludicrous magical romantic can happen inside this moment of time and then we're returned to Reality. It is like Les Sophites. Uh So, 
So he he's playing with this idea. He saw the you know the potential for movement, and so he just you know he said, "Hey, can we meet for lunch?" And I thought we were just going to meet for lunch, and then he said. <laughs> what do you think he, about? He, he had a pitch. He in did mind. have a pitch. I didn't know, uh, but it, you know, I couldn't. I couldn't say no. I mean, he and I, you know, we connected it, and and I. Here, here's what I think. I think that you know, I can't speak to other disciplines, but I can say a life in the arts is it's fraught with rigor, and you must train and become. And there are two, two of the great things that come from a life of devoting yourself to that, um, to whatever genre you find yourself in, is transformation. And that transformation comes from, from the daily dedication to that training. And then the other is who, who is in the room with you. And that's where things really take off. So when you find yourself in the room with the right people, then there is there is no amount of work that's too much. And so he said, will you do this? I said, yeah, I want to be in the room with you. So that's how we, that's how we got started. So have you had the experience of uh, you know, choreography for um, theater before or, you know, other art forms other than traditional dance choreography? Yes, yeah. I, I happen uh, to be... A, a co-artistic director of the Resonance Collective, which is an interdisciplinary uh, project-based company uh, where my co-director is, um, he's a choral director and composer. And so uh, a lot of our work has been finding how do, we, how do we merge the storytelling capacities of these seemingly disparate art forms so when we're performing, it's not, well, we have the singers and musicians over here and we have the dancers over here and we're going to do our things at the same time. It's about finding how, how we can all share those roles. Uh, and so when you're approaching movement for, let's say, people who haven't trained classically as dancers, you know, we're, we're, I guess the way I see it is the only thing that makes dance dance is mindfulness it's not the training, it's the mindfulness. So, you know, it's the transformation of the mundane to the mystical. So drinking a glass of water becomes a dance experience. Uh, I think that people can train and dance and not be dancing. So it's really about finding how, how do we create mindfulness in our performers. And this cast has been wonderful. They are so adventurous. They have bought in, haven't they? Full tilt. <laughs> yeah. It, there's nothing like a group of dedicated people who just say, I'll try it. I'll try it. And they're, you know, what's great is that they're not saying it individually. Is They're saying it as a community. They, they are bonded. They're bonded to each other, and they're dedicated to each other. And then that dedication is being transferred onto this performance. So how did you, the two of you, um, decide, come up with uh, the, you know, where you needed the movement, um, wh what numbers there would be, you know, the music involved? Like, uh, what was that process like? Well, that, you know, I, I really followed, followed uh, Dustin's lead on this. He had, he had an image or an idea of what the show was, and he saw, he saw his dance moments and so, you know, I, 
But there, a wonderful thing that we have discovered is that Dustin and I have a s very similar creative process where you really walk into the room, you, you know who's going to be in the room, but you're not sure what the conversation is going to be. So you walk in and you say, hey, what's up? How do you feel? What's going on? And, and from that place, the, the process, the movement emerges. So while there was a clarity like, well, let's, let's work on this, on this moment, what that moment was um, and what those moments led to, or shall we say how the one moment led to the next moment, and we thought, oh, wow, well, now that we've seen this, maybe this needs to be another moment. So he, was, he came in with a real clear sense of where he saw things uh, possibly being danced, and then as we evolved together, those other moments sort of revealed themselves. Um, so th it's a cast of, I think, 14, mm -hmm. and there are some big group numbers. Um, do you approach uh, um, the choreography, the moves, what you ask people to do, as you say, when they are not trained dancers um, differently than what you would ask a group of 14 you know, trained dancers to do? It's different. Yes, yes, it's definitely different. Well, hmm. It's different, and it's the same. So, you know, ultimately, um, sure, if dancers are trained, you can, you can say, you know, do this, 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 and the other thing, and they will most likely do this, 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 and the other thing. Um, but, I, and you can approach choreography that way, but I, I tend not to necessarily enjoy that. I, I like to find um, impulses. So how do you feel this thing? And so what does this make you do? Uh, and so text is a, fa a fabulous, you know, prompter for that. You have this text. What is that, you know? Um, so, but in terms of the sheer dance, dance extravaganzas that are in the piece, um, we, as an ensemble, generated a movement vocabulary. So we played a lot of games and had a lot of experiences where um, really I just sparked ideas and then they carried it forward and I could see how they were moving and what was coming out of their bodies and then I just pulled it I pulled it I think uh, so that it was natural to them there were there are stuff like when we got into the we're lifting each other and throwing each other and you know I think so there are moments where they're like oh wait a minute uh, because they hadn't necessarily done that before so there are some moments where I had to say okay come on we can go this far um, but it always came from a place that they led me to. Uh, the thing that I have witnessed in the rehearsal process for the show is, uh, I think it really speaks to what I believe the sort of mission of the department is, is that uh, education, and so you've got a group of people who um, I, don't n I, I, I don't know what their backgrounds are, but it's... My guess is that many of them don't have a dance background, and here they are learning probably the names of things. They're learning about choreography through participating in the process. They're learning. There are these lifts that you know, I'm sure that you've shared the technical secrets for how something, you know, how you make something difficult uh, possible and look effortless. Uh, and they, you know, they pull some stuff off. Uh, surprisingly well for a group of people who I think <laughs> have no real background because yeah. having been in like the early process of it, uh, it didn't seem to be a group of dancers. Um, but I think it's just like the buy-in. Uh, I mean, do you see 
um, like like that integration of of theater and dance is like a key component of the mission of the department. I I do I do I think you know this is this is where uh, the departmental support has been so great. I think all the faculty and the leadership, um, everybody wants this. I think sometimes you know we got involved and we got to teach our classes and we got to take care of our the students right in front of us, but. I think that as soon as this, um, as soon as Dustin crossed the line and was like, "Hey, hey, you over there," uh, you know, then it was kind really of in, in a way that only two new faculty could do. Exactly. Yes, we just stumbled <laughs> along, stepped on each other's ears, and next thing you know, uh, you know. But it's it's what everybody wanted, right? It's the floodgates that, you know, the water was ready to flow through. Um, I, I would also like to say uh, the exciting thing about this first um, performance is how many faculty are involved, right? So we have Jim Hunter, who is the uh, resident lighting designer in the department, teaches the MFAs in lighting design, is the lighting designer. Christy Hall is the costume designer. She's the MFA uh, head of the scenic design, uh, costume design for uh, MFA program. Um, and uh, Glorious Nick Uluru, who uh, heads up the scenic design, is on sabbatical, so therefore, it fell to me to uh, do the set design. But Which is a brilliant, hold on, i got to stop you here, because it is a beautiful set. And so, you know, I mean, I think most people play chess in 2D, but you have created this 3D extravaganza. It's an experience. And I have to tell you, when we first got, on, got into the space and I saw what you had created, I thought, oh, wow. What I have done doesn't do justice to this, and yeah, I you know you really. We walked in there. I thought I have to rethink all of it, and we have to we have to make ourselves, uh, we have to make ourselves be in the in the complete capacity of this world that you created. So thank you for that. Well, and it, we, I mean, Dustin was a huge part of pulling this together, uh, and we went at it with the idea of the, of the dance in mind. I mean, we very much so th thought through, um, we have this group of 14 people and we have to give them a dance floor and then we need to give them a playground. We have to create a world that allows them to move and through the audience and to be at different levels and to do uh, you know, different things with their bodies. and. Uh, so the audience really becomes immersed in the play, um, and, and I think the choreography, the movement of the cast through the space, like they they dominate the space, they take the space over. It becomes one. It's very exciting to watch. I'm, we're we're about to go into technical rehearsals on Friday, um, so I'm I'm super excited to see like the costumes and the lights fall into place. It's like you know I'm getting goosebumps thinking yeah, about it yeah you just uh, saying that right now is getting <laughs> me a little crazy this is great um so it, and this this opens in long street theater um which is a slight change of venue originally it was going to be in drayton hall so if you're interested in seeing much ado about nothing um the opening is uh I, what day of the week that is next um thursday friday, friday. next, next friday. friday and it runs for three weekends which is new so if you're uh, a regular into University of South Carolina theater. You usually get two weeks of this, but we have um, we have three weekends. So it opens on Friday the 25th and runs through November 10th. 
Um, so you have three weekend chances to see this. Uh, it was originally scheduled at Drayton Hall, so if you see that out there, um, know that it's in Long Street Theater. Very exciting. And I think, you know what, go the first weekend because I have a feeling when you see it, you're going to want to see it again. And, t- and you can tell your friends. Yes, uh, and tell everyone. This is, this is a beautiful show. And uh, It's a short Much Ado About Nothing. We're, we're running, it's going to be two hours or less, which is, yeah. um, which is not the normal for Shakespeare. No, I think, I think Dustin did a fabulous job just streamlining. Yes, we just have the essence of the story. Yeah. Um, and uh, really, I think, got rid of some text in favor of the movement. So we, we, we get s- it enhances the story and it replaces some of the text because you can you have been able to tell the story as well as Shakespeare, I think. <laughs> some key moments through the movement, which is like great. Oh, man. Well, you know. I'm going to have to buy you dinner now. It's really <laughs> great. Uh, <laughs> but uh, ha- having heard how the, your last lunch went, I'm going to have my guard up. About <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, oh, over the appetizers. Hey, I have an idea. Um, so uh, so we have two great things that the theater and dance department are doing. We've got uh, Much Ado About Nothing opening on um, the 25th of October uh, at Longstreet Theater right here on campus. And the fall dance concert uh, is Friday, November 1st and Saturday, November 2nd. Uh, the Friday's at 7.30. The Saturday's at 2 p.m. Both of those performances are at the Coger Center for the Arts. Our very special guests this week are Andre and Jen, two brand-new faculty members, finally living under the same roof, <laughs> teaching in the same place, married couple. Um, welcome to Columbia. Thank you for joining us on the program. Oh, thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for having us. The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit GarnetMedia.org.